you're immaculate. And there is no one on earth that I would rather vibe with on numbers on the boards. Then Skin Wade. Skin. Oh my gosh. It's just an, it's an incredible time to be a Mavs fan right now. It's an incredible time to be a follower of Jalen Brunson on Twitter. Are you kidding me? The vibes are immaculate. That should be the Mav hashtag of the year. I love it. It's a little long to be a hashtag, unfortunately, but I'm never going to complain when a guy uses a $1 word. And man, if immaculate isn't a $1 word, then I want to buy it on sale. Now, Skin, I think you and I missed last week, but uh, it's a pretty reasonable excuse that you had. Because you were releasing a freaking Leon Bridges track, and so I want to talk about that a little later and the Truth to Power project. But uh, it's it's an awesome song. If you haven't heard it yet, then go listen to it. But we'll, we'll get into all that stuff a little later. But uh, we want to talk about the Mavs first because, dude, beat Brooklyn, beat down Orlando in a game that was really close, but it never really felt close. Uh, they've won what eight out of eleven, nine out of nine, nine out of eleven. I think now I don't, I don't know what it is. The wins just keep piling up. It's just everything is going well for Dallas right now. Yeah, and you know the the wins are imperative, Bobby, because you know there's too many losses early on. But I, I you know, I don't know how you go about this thing. For me personally, you know, it's a long basketball season, so I just look at the things that the team is doing well in the things I think that they can do well on a regular basis. And I think what we've really seen during this stretch is we've seen the offense come more in line. We had some crazy three-point numbers to start the broadcast last night where uh, what what happened three-point shooting in the month of February. So uh, from February over the previous months, Doncic is up 14%, for example. Like, Obviously, he's on a tear, but it, it just shows that once you have all your guys together playing their roles, the floor is spaced the, the way that it's supposed to be spaced and those opportunities are there. These are guys that are going to make shots and deliver. And so the offensive turnaround, especially from the three-point line, has been drastic and astonishing and, quite frankly, more in line with what we suspected based on what we saw in the preseason. Bobby, these guys were shooting the ball well in the preseason – I was ready for that to happen, and now over the last, you know, 10 or 11 games, we're starting to really see it. You know what? You and I have talked about this a lot before. You know what creates better three-point shots is human movement, sure, but also ball movement. And that's been one of the big things that has kind of come to the fore over the last month or so is Dallas is just moving the ball a lot better. Last night against Orlando was maybe – I don't know, I mean, off the top of my head, but it was maybe their best ball movement game of the year. There were many possessions where every guy touched it. The ball was whipping around the court. Uh, they did it against Brooklyn on a couple possessions when KP was in the post, too, to create some good looks. And I think that is kind of a byproduct, the the improved ball movement, I mean, of them just having more time on the floor together. It certainly helps that they got a week's worth of practice in. Uh, but just generally speaking, I mean, We've talked about this a lot, too. Whenever half your starting lineup misses half the season, misses three weeks or whatever it was at the time uh, because of COVID and the health and safety protocols and everything, they just didn't have any time to figure each other out. KP comes back, everybody else is gone. And so they're really just now, kind of the last five or ten games, able to get on the floor both in games and in practice, watch tape, just do the the little things and the big things, too, frankly, 
that it takes to kind of get used to playing with one another, knowing where guys will be, knowing where their spots are, knowing when to cut, when to, when to pop. Like all of these things matter a lot. And uh, so I feel like they know each other a little better. So they're able to move the ball a little better. And whether you're the best shooter ever or the worst shooter ever, if you get an open shot, you're going to knock it down a lot more than you will whenever you're guarded. And the best way to create open shots is to just move the ball. And so we're, we're seeing that play out as well. Yeah, my favorite moment in the Orlando game, based on what you're talking about, as well as the context of, you know, it doesn't take much to go out into the social media world and see that everyone is hyper focused on KP and his body language and how he fits and all these things was there was a possession where uh, it was kind of like a secondary offense kind of thing. And the ball found its way to KP and he was about 11 feet from the basket and he easily could have caught it and shot it in that mid-range area. And he, instead, he immediately whipped it to the corner for Dorian, who had a wide-open look. And as his man was uh, closing, he whipped it over to an even better 45-degree angle look for Jalen. And it led to a wide-open three, and the bucket was made. And th the reason I, I liked it on a lot of different levels, but it, it was a good uh, example of that ball movement that you're talking about but also it showed player engagement into that concept of ball movement, right? Um, it's one thing just to pass the ball around. It's another thing to pass it and see where to pass it and do it with a purpose. And so that was a great example to me of a uh, very purposeful unselfishness leading to an excellent shot. And those are the things that happen when you have all well, your guys healthy and they're playing together. This is what we expected to see. And now we're starting to see it. You know how that sequence started, too. KP blocked the absolute crap out of somebody at the rim at the other end of the floor, too. Yep, uh, yep, yep. Which is, which is very good as well. There was another play in the game last night that really stands out to me, and it was actually a blunder, but it was very telling to me as well. Dorian was driving to the lane and uh, kind of got like stuck. There was three or four guys in the paint. Earlier in the game, Dallas was just taking the magic one-on-one -on -one right to the basket and laying it in, and it was very bad. And so Orlando adjusted, starting really, you know, playing with a little more discipline. So Dorian goes into the lane. It's in the second half. And, uh, you know, there's two or three guys that converge on him. And so he kind of throws a no-look, hopeful pass to the corner to where Maxi Kleber was, but he had since come up kind of the, the free throw line extended, and so the pass went out of bounds. And at first you're like, Dorian, you doofus. No one is there because you can see it. Well, he can't. But Dorian is thinking, man, there's got to be somebody in the corner. That's where they're supposed to be. And so, you know, the pass went out of bounds and they talked about it. Maxie was like, yeah, it's my bad, my bad. But it kind of reinforced to, to me and hopefully to a lot of other people that watch it is like how many passes guys make in an NBA game. It's not just Luca, where they don't see the guy they're passing to. They just have to pass because they think, they hope, they know that a guy is going to be in that spot. And that is the kind of thing where like, if you think too much, you're not going to be able to make plays like that. Um, and if you think too much, you might leave your spot and move to where you're not supposed to. Uh, and, and so that's the kind of thing too. It's like, you have to have such a trust in your teammate to, to know that he's going to be where he needs to be um, in order to make a pass like that. And you simply can't establish that without playing with that guy for many games, many months, many years. And then also, if your wires do get crossed and you make a mistake, do you have kind of the trust in each other and the kind of commitment to the whole team thing to talk about it and accept responsibility for it based on whoever made the mistake and pledge to get better from it? And that was something that, that I think it was Jalen that told you guys on the broadcast 
a week or so ago is like we're not playing for for ourselves anymore like we're we're in it for the team kind of thing um, and that leads to immaculate vibes and all that stuff. But again, that's the kind of stuff that you can't just develop overnight either. Even when you make mistakes, can you communicate about it productively and uh, kind of kind of improve upon it the next time? Yeah, it's a game of insightful, intuitive anticipation. And uh, that leads to success when it's done properly. And what allows those guys to do that is familiarity and togetherness and those kinds of things. Um and so, yeah, we're, we're finally starting to see it. And that's what happens, you know, when a team is fragmented, uh, both physically as well as in some cases mentally, you've got to work back towards what that center space is. And that's what these last 11 games have been. So let's talk a little bit about KP, man, because he's kind of the name that's on everybody's uh tongues right now that's a weird phrase uh I, I would take that back if i could but you know what we keep going forward uh, allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> uh so kp misses a few games uh with a with a back or maybe just two games i don't remember um comes back against brooklyn i thought he looked pretty good last night against orlando in the first half shot wasn't falling he was maybe forcing it a little bit second half he was a totally different player uh, but I thought he's been very good on defense pretty much in both games uh, overall. So it's been a, an, an improved KP, I feel like, but uh, hasn't been without some hiccups along the way. There was a little bit of a conversation against Brooklyn. There was that 40-foot pull-up shot, which I thought was really funny, but I, a lot of other people uh, thought was very concerning. Um, and then just generally kind of the the rumors and everything that's going around and all that stuff. I mean, I, I don't know what you do want to talk about, what you don't want to talk about, but I want to give the floor to you uh, to, uh, to to talk about KP. Yeah, so, uh, you know, where I would start, I guess I would start with uh, trade rumors. And uh, in a lot of ways, trade rumors, there's a lot of ways that they can get started. But I think your average sports fan, the way that they think trades happen, it generally doesn't happen like that. And so I think a lot of, you know, if you – kind of see how the sausage is made a lot of the trade rumors that you see end up kind of ultimately being silly but i understand the insatiable thirst for basketball conversation you and i love it and want to talk about it all the time and understand the need for that engagement on social media so uh i, I take a lot of it with a grain of salt um i will say that just even if you take the name porzingis off of the player that we're talking about in general the reason that you would trade a player like that, I just don't think those circumstances have uh, have been prevalent here. If you're going to move on from a player who conceivably, when healthy by all accounts, is a top 20 styled player, then you're only going to do that if you have huge financial problems. If you're able to get a player of a similar caliber back that may be a quote unquote better fit, or you have this really toxic kind of environment that's just uh, unsalvageable. Uh, like what uh, I think we can all assess, that's what James Harden was in Houston, right? I think it's easy to go that situation was not salvageable, so a trade happened. Or how KP um, ended it, up here, Frank. I mean, great point. Exactly. And so I think that, you know, all those circumstances, I don't think we've, we've, we're near any of them. And so, like, just even talking about Kristaps, he's got an injury history. And so, aside from whoever Kristaps is or isn't, 
if I could get a player of the exact same caliber with no injury history, I, as a general manager, would explore that if I didn't think it would do things that would disrupt my team chemistry that were important. And so, you know, first of all, if you're a player of the caliber of Kristaps Porzingis with the money he's making, GMs don't just call each other and go, hey, what do you think about this guy? Want to do a trade? Like GMs talk all the time, but a lot of those things happen through agents. For a good example is I don't think Donnie or Mark just picked up the phone and called Daryl or Elton and said, can we have Josh Richardson? Do you guys still want him? I think more than likely Josh Richardson's agent, Billy Duffy, who is the agent of Luka Doncic, looked around the league and said, well, Josh has got one year left. This isn't working out to be a good situation. Looks like Philly wants to get some pure shooting. They got a new front office in. I bet there's a situation where we could work something out. That's how those deals generally happen in the NBA. It's a player and agent driven league. And so another great example of that is if you look at the way that Sam Presti has dealt with the careers of Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. He didn't just call around and go, hey, what do you guys think about Russ? He talked to the player about how they fit in with the team and they worked out something to appease these megastars. And so if you don't do business like that, you're ultimately setting your franchise on fire. And so I think the origin and impetus for a lot of those rumors are ill-conceived. But I don't think that the Mavericks would turn down a player equal or caliber to Kristaps Porzingis if it was a better fit. I just don't think they're actively shopping the guy, whatever that phrase might mean. You actively shop guys when there's dead ends. And then it becomes a very public thing. And there's stories and multiple outlets from multiple sides. That's how that game is played. And so I think that it's real easy to get caught up in the moment. And I think it's exacerbated this year by the isolation everyone is going through in every walk of life. And that's why Cuban addressed the team. And that's why the players are saying the things that they say. But if you look at the, the, the humor, the humorous or cynical aspect of it to me is these rumors came up when Kristaps' numbers went way up and the team started winning. And so I'm like, man, if we're going to do this routine, let's do it two weeks ago. So I, I don't think there's much credence to it. Um, I'll take that back. I don't think there's any credence to it. Um, and I think, conceivably Chris stops and Luca are ideal compliments on the floor for one another. I think the man has to be healthy and he's working towards that now. And I also think that if you look at how he integrated himself last year, he did it by being invested on the defensive end first. I also think it's uh, I don't think it's a coincidence or ironic that these stories like specifically, like there's the one by the guy Fisher from, from bleacher report I don't think it's any coincidence that that story came out three days after Callie Kaplan broke down quotes from Rick Carlisle about defense. And so what I think people do is they start connecting the dots on their own volition. And so, you know, what has happened? Well, you talked about it 10 minutes ago. Kristaps' defense is better. That was going to happen with or without trade rumors. That's a that's a, a baseline thing that has to happen for this team to get better. That's why they brought in Josh Richardson. That's why they brought in Wes Wundu. That's why they drafted Josh Green. That's not a secret. That's a concerted effort. And so 
in order to be the best defensive team you can be, not only does your 7-3 guy need to buy in to anchor the defense, you kind of need your three best individual defensive players and Maxi Kaliba, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Josh Richardson to be on the floor together. So I don't think it's any coincidence that their defensive numbers, particularly Kristaps, which were historically bad, occurred when the team's three best defensive players were not even with the team. I just think there's a lot of connecting the dots going here that I think makes for interesting social media engagement, but I don't think there's a lot of validity to it. Having said all that, if there's a player out there that's healthier and fits better than Kristaps Porzingis, the Mavericks would owe it to this franchise and Luca and the city to explore it. I just think that that situation very likely doesn't exist in the NBA currently. Yeah, I think the, the thing about Donnie Nelson, right? So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know Donnie better than I do and I've known him longer than I have and everything. But uh, basically... He's like the the nicest guy in the world. Like he's just gonna he's gonna say, you know he's your biggest pal. How you doing? How you know ask about your family and all that stuff. But that's if he's not talking on the phone or talking to somebody else. Um, and you know it's different this year because fewer people are traveling to games. So Donnie's not really going on the road. Every now and then he'll go on the road with the team. Um, and then fewer people are traveling with opposing teams. So there aren't as many people coming to American Airlines Center. But about. 20% of the time that I see Donnie, he's talking to nobody. 80% of the time I see Donnie, he's either on the phone or talking to someone that I either do or don't recognize. Like he'll talk to Rob Palinka, but then he'll also talk to some random scout from another team that I've never seen before. And whenever he's talking to those people, he's kind of off limits. It's you, right? Basically what I'm saying is Donnie is always talking to somebody and all it takes for a rumor or report or whatever to get out is one of those people, one of the 150 people that he talks to per day, right? The, the dude's Dunbar number is off the chart. All it takes is one of those people to tell somebody, either a, a reporter or a buddy or whatever, and that's how something can get out. And I know that, like, I think it's, like, pretty admirable that the Mavs are such an airtight organization. I know that some fans wish sometimes that maybe they did get more information to kind of feel like a little more transparency or whatever, but it's pretty admirable that Dallas never leaks stuff. And, you know, I feel like they must make it a point to communicate that to the people that they talk to because it's been brought up before. Like, for example, when they traded for Nerlens Noel, it was brought up how there's like a lot of trust there, you know, that, that neither side was going to kind of do the other wrong or anything. Um, and I wonder if, you know, I, what basically what I'm saying is like I think that whoever leaked that was prob probably has some other type of agenda than just like oh this is a interesting information uh, because Donnie does talk to so many people and such little amounts of it get out that uh, I'm I'm very surprised that even if it is true which I've heard that it isn't but of course I'm wearing a Mavs T-shirt right now and so you know that could have something to do with the information that I'm told all the time but um. I think that there's some other like ulterior motive. Clearly there was for whatever Western Conference executive called him a scarecrow in writing. Uh, it takes a lot of chutzpah to say that about somebody. Um, and frankly, that guy doesn't seem to be too uh, unbiased about the whole situation. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I w I, that's why you always have to take whatever you read or whatever you hear for with a grain of salt, giant grain of salt, when it has to do with the Mavs because 
um, there is such a, 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 a supposedly mutual understanding between Donnie and Mark and whoever it is that they're talking to that uh, what they're saying stays with them, what they're talking about stays with them, and will never get out, ever. Like, all we know about the Porzingis trade is that Donnie coveted him for a long time, because of course, who wouldn't? And also, uh, that they got the deal done basically at Madison Square Garden. That's it. We don't know anything else about it. And I'm sure that the, the you know, Mills and those guys, they're not there anymore, or I think one of them is, maybe one of them isn't. But Mills and Perry probably appreciate that. I know Donnie appreciates it, and that's why they do business. Um, so yeah, that's why that, that's kind of why it's like, oh, you know, whatever. It may or may not be true. I would say that it probably isn't, but I'm sure that the way that it's been handled is not <laughs> going to make the Mavs happy. Yeah, and let me say this too. I think everything you said is accurate. If the Mavericks were interested in moving Porzingis, the first person that would know that is very likely Porzingis's agent. Because you don't do max contract guys poorly. Uh, and the Mavericks have never done that. And I think, you know, to your point, I was at, you know, me and Ben were doing the show uh, at the Super Bowl. We were on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And uh, at, see, we would go on the air at, at that time, we were going on the air at 2 o'clock Colorado time. At one twenty, Woj came out with a story about, the Knicks are motivated to trade Porzingis and he listed like six or seven teams that were very likely in on it. The Mavericks were not listed. And then by the time I hit the air 30 minutes later, a deal was done between the Mavericks and the Knicks. And if that doesn't underscore the process you're talking about, I don't know how else to better uh, detail it. I mean, that's it to a T. So, you know, and no offense to, to Jake Fisher, um, I, I'm not knocking the guy at all. He, he might probably works his ass off and one day maybe huge, he's but a good dude. he's a good dude, I'm sure. But I would imagine if, if this was happening at this level, you know, it's going to go to a Woj or something. Ian Begley was involved in this and he's a very reputable NBA writer and all those things. But, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of different motives for leaking things like that. And I think, you know, what you got to do and when you see those stories is remove your Mav allegiance and then just step back and look at what people are talking about with just basketball logic and common sense. And I think a lot of times you'll be able to see, oh, that doesn't really make sense at all, does it? So um, I think that's where this this situation is. And uh, don't you think it's interesting that we're a week and a half down the road and all the Mavericks have really done is win since then and now it's not being talked about anymore? Yeah, they look great, and suddenly uh, no one is mad anymore. It's awesome. Uh, kind of to, to put a bow on the whole thing, I thought it was very funny that uh, this was, I don't know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, uh, Kelly Oubre's name came up in a in a rumor where like the Warriors were talking to, I don't even remember who it was, uh, about trading Oubre. And then Steve Kerr came out the next day and was like, it's funny how these rumors get started. You know, some random guy can just make something up and all of a sudden it becomes a big story. And, uh, you know, people shouldn't leak stuff and just bring up people's names. It's not right, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the next big trade rumor that comes up involves the Warriors. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty funny uh, that that happens. But um, anyway, okay, uh, bef- real quick, because I don't think we talked about him on the last episode. Before we talk about Leon Bridges, uh, can we just like take like two minutes 
and just sing Lucas praises for a bit because uh, that guy skin he is he's on a totally 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 different level than like the rest of humanity right now. He's if he's gonna make threes at the rate he's making threes, hand him the MVP trophy and let's let's go party. Um, he is at that stage, that incredible place where 30, 10, and 9 is like Monday night. It's like, all right, another day at the office. 30, 10, and 9. Is that what he ended with last night? I believe um, so. Thanks to Maxi Kleba. So it's it's uh it's just outrageous. And it's we are already spoiled because now that we expect it and we're no longer wowed by that. We have to take ourselves outside of the moment to really be wowed by what he's doing just on a regular, consistent basis as par for the course. It's it's so much fun to have a player like that on your team, and he just turned 22. Yeah, last night was – I mean, it was a masterpiece what he did last night. And after the game, I was thinking, like, I don't even know if that's his best game that he played, like, in February. Like, well, it's last night was March, so it was obviously his best game of the month. But, like – I can I feel like I remember several games that he's had that's better than that one this year. But like he's had so many of them that I can't remember. And that's kind of the holy crap, this guy is amazing level that you get with like LeBron and and that we had with Dirk. Like dude, the year Dirk won the MVP, he had so many good games that I n- none of them stand out to me in retrospect, you know, because he was just so consistently awesome. And, and that level of consistency and that level of sort of not only production, but just quality. Like, dude, last night he had that rebound. It was early in the game. He got the rebound, just went coast to coast and laid it in. Like, full speed ahead. Just unstoppable LeBron freight train style stuff in transition. And he's had two no-look behind-the-back bounce passes in the lane in a row. Like, he had one against Brooklyn. He had one against Orlando. Like, he's just, like, breaking the game right now and uh, I he definitely knows he's always known how good he is but he definitely knows how good he is now and he's having a lot of fun being good too and that's a dangerous thing because when Luke is in a good mood then he is gonna he's gonna do some stuff that's gonna blow your mind and, and upset you if you're the other team you know the what you're saying there the moment I think this is what you're referencing last night against Orlando where he drove hard baseline and left that little behind the back bounce pass for Dorian under the basket wide mm-hmm. open and uh, I'm paraphrasing, but Harp said something to the effect of he's just having so much fun playing basketball. And and it goes right along with what you're saying. And I think the other thing about it is if you look at who benefited from that, maybe you know this off the top of your head. I was under the impression that the NBA player who had played the most minutes with Luka Doncic was Dorian Finney-Smith. Yes. Do you know that? Do you have- yes. Okay. So the other thing about playing with somebody like that is you're going to grow with them. And so what's happening is, is all these guys are growing with Luca and feeding off Luca and achieving new heights in their own careers. You know, I, I think it's safe to say that Dorian and Maxi are two of the five best Mavericks over the course of last year and this year. And neither one of those guys were supposed to be NBA starters. And that speaks to their own work ethic and their own belief in themselves and their own abilities, but it speaks to Luca. And there, 
uh, smart enough to go right along with it and ride that wave. And they know exactly how to play with him. And it's, it's a really fun thing to watch. And it makes playing like those guys are really enjoying what they're doing. And there's a lot of joy. And then, you know, us watching it get to feel that coming through the TV or the arena or whatever. So they're just in a really, really amazing place offensively. And if they start hacking away systematically and methodically at their defensive limitations, then they're going to be a really, really tough out once we get to that time of the year, if everyone is healthy, uh, which, you know, knock on wood, you hope that they are. If you go back through my season by season, Luca threads on Twitter, uh, which I'm always, I'm very happy to curate those every year, but it feels like Dorian has been on the receiving end of more of Luca's spectacular assists than any other player. And that kind of hammers your point home of Luca always knows where Dorian is going to be and Dorian knows where Luca's going to go. And so uh, that's a, that's an important connection there. Um, okay, Skin, speaking of important connections, we're connecting the community, the music, with the Mavs. We're doing it all. Um, Leon Bridges came out with a, a, a single Like a Ship. Um, it's part of the Truth to Power project, and the Mavs are involved with it, and I know you are very involved with it too. And so I, w- I was just hoping to hear whatever you can tell us about not just the making of, of, of that single, that, that, that single set, uh, track, but also kind of the, the larger project and the timeline of it all, the scale of it all, and, and when we can expect to hear more. Yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's a long, crazy, winding road of a story, and so I'm going to tell you the shortcut version of it. But the idea was uh, last summer, I've, I've got a small record label with a guy, a buddy of mine, Luke, that he has a record store called Josie Records, and they're in four different cities. And we started a small label to put out music that we liked, you know, mostly like soul and jazz and stuff like that, just kind of a small little thing. And, uh, you know, we were motivated to want to, you know, when a lot of the protests were going on, we were motivated to want to both give back because he and I have both benefited greatly from uh, African-American contributions to American popular culture, to music and in my case, music and basketball. And so we kind of felt the need to do something. So we started reaching out to people that were like-minded and creating this record uh, that we were going to put out. And I just, from my conversations with the Mavericks through the years and the things that they care about, I figured they would care about it. So I reached out to them and they pledged some support. And I reached out to a music production company called First Com Music, who actually the Mavericks use a lot of their music. They wanted to support the, so the, the track. Idea- the intro music to this very podcast is from first. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for, for saying that Bobby. And so, you know, is the idea of getting like-minded people together that care about um, the overall health and wellness of their community, all different kinds of voices being represented and being a part of a greater community. And so the idea was, could we do a nonprofit endeavor? We're not starting a charity. We want to do a nonprofit endeavor to not only raise some money to hand out to some nonprofits that were already going in our community that were already doing great work. We just kind of wanted to augment their capacity by raising some money, but also raising awareness. And hopefully people would encounter this music and some of these videos we're going to make, and it would inspire them to want to go and, you know, spend some time volunteering for a great organization like Four Oak Cliff, for example. Uh, or uh, there's one that I'm really keen on called Young Leaders Strong City, where their goal is to educate teenagers about how to be uh, you know, respectful in their communication, inclusive of one another, and grow as 
as one community. And if you, you start there, then they're going to become the leaders of our city and they're going to become the leaders for all people, just not one specific race or one specific neighborhood. And so these were things that we all believed in and supported. And so when we started recording this music, we got an opportunity to do a, a song with Leon Bridges. And it's, uh, we recorded this great studio in Fort Worth. And so Leon's on it and another great artist named Keith Young, who's the lead singer of Medicine Man Revival. And so uh, me and Keith and our buddy Joel Rafe over at Nile City kind of produced the song. And it's an all-star roster. Sput Seawright is playing drums. He played with Kendrick Lamar and Snoop. And he has his own band, Ghost Note. And the previous band he was in, Snarky Puppy, he's won six Grammys. He's on drums. Jeez. Danny Bayless from Bastards. Yeah, he's a beast. Uh, Danny Bayless from Bastards of Soul. And he's the producer of The Hardline. He's on bass. And uh, Jordash Grant, who's a great musician, plays keys with people like Abraham Alexander and Paul Cawthon. And he's also a music teacher in the community. So he's playing uh, acoustic piano, electric piano and organ. And Abraham Alexander is playing guitar. And then some of those guys are singing in the choir. So it's a it's a cover tune of an old 70s soulful gospel classic. And we redid it and kind of looked at it as an anchor song for the project because there's a lot of different people from different backgrounds coming together to make the song well that was going to be uh, a big part of the project that was going to launch this june coming up as part of record store day but leon's label was really enamored with the song and tiktok got interested in it and so they wanted to release the single in honor of black history month and so it dropped last friday the last friday of black history month and it's now out on all the streaming platforms and it's out all over the world. I saw some report this morning of all the different countries that it's streaming in and um, big thanks to TikTok and Sony Columbia for jumping on board to help push this because we're not only gonna raise a lot of money, we're gonna raise awareness. And ultimately the goal, Bobby, is to just get everybody to care about all parts of the community. Because once we all kind of invest in one another uh, and, and you know, leave the leave the bullshit of social media behind you. Don't don't spend time arguing with a wall. Uh, actually, get in front of someone and have positive conversations with someone, and see the the common aspects that you share. And once you do that, you're going to find common ground. But you know, yelling at somebody on Twitter, it's going to make it worse. So we want to find the areas where people have similarities and focus on those and. You know, once you connect with someone, you can care about someone. And, and it's just, I, you know, I'm a big believer that instead of dividing people and giving everybody guns, why don't we bring people together and give each other opportunities? And I think ultimately, if we take that approach, we'll have, there are always going to be bad things. We're always going to have problems. There's always going to be racism, all these things. But we can work in those spaces to alleviate the problems that that causes on a bigger scale. And it's something the Mavericks clearly care about. Uh, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast. It's something you and I care about. Ben and I on the Ben and Skin Show have talked about these things many times. And so the idea is to just get people to care about their entire community. And we want to do it through music and sports because I personally have benefited greatly from those those areas of life. Yeah, absolutely. That's good stuff, man. I'm really happy that the organization is part of it too. Um, man, me too. Huge boost. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, the song is like a ship. It's by the great Leon Bridges. 
and Pete Young, like you said, and the organ rips at the end. That's just an awesome way to end the song, too. It's so great. Uh, so check it out. It's truthtopowerproject.com. Uh, you can uh, learn more information about the project, the music, and, and, and kind of the whole, um, the, the reasoning behind it, like what Skin was talking about. And you can also donate as well if you feel so inclined. So definitely go check that out, too. Uh, Skin, and, and, any final let, words? Hold on. Or, let me, let me, oh. Yeah, let me throw this out there right quick, Bobby. I'm sorry to cut you off. But, you know, donating is great. We're also going to give you opportunities to get involved. We'll be creating content all along the way. You can go get signed up to get emails. But, you know, if you're so inclined to donate, we think that's awesome. Uh, we're going to give you lots of ways to be a part of it and contribute, though. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff, man. I'm excited to see uh, the next steps of this thing. I've, I've heard the whole album, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with the community piece as well. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, any any final words, parting shots, final takes, last uh, last thoughts before we get on with our days here? Yeah, I'm, uh, hopefully we get a win and go into the break, uh, the all-star break. We can celebrate Luke over the break, but it's going to be nice to get a win against Oklahoma City, have that momentum, and then just I'm really excited about the back half of the year. I think I think Mav fans, especially the ones that were, you know, feeling some angst in the, uh, the end of January, I think they're really going to start feeling great about this team, and, and it's going to be the kind of season we'd all hoped and – uh, hoped it would be after seeing what they did in the bubble. So I'm really looking forward to this back half of the season. I think so too. And I'm looking forward as well. And if you look up in the standings, it's not too hard to move up, basically. Despite the two and nine stretch, despite all the struggles, the the bad offense, then the bad defense, then the bad vibes, like all of that has been corrected. The offense is immaculate. The defense is improving. The vibes are even better. And Dallas is like two games out of fifth with one of the easiest remaining uh, schedules by opposing, uh, opponents' records in the league. So anything can happen. Anything can happen. We just got to let it play out, and hopefully it's going to be fun. And we'll be with you on Numbers on the Boards. And so if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, subscribe, review on your favorite podcast platform. Share it with all your friends. Share it with all your Mavs fans. Share it with all your Knicks fans. Let them know that, uh, that 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 pick that they're getting from the Mavs this year might not be that good after all. Uh, just, just uh, you know, stay positive. Go to truthtopowerproject.com. He is Skin. I am Bobby. This is Numbers on the Boards, and we will see you later. Later.